is Shrinkwrapped. I'm Allison Colarossi here with my husband, Dr. David Colarossi, and we are here to talk about popular psychology, answer listener questions, mostly my questions, and get into a little pop psych true and false. You ready to go? <laughs> How are you? I'm good. You know what I'm disappointed about? What? The elf. No one found the elf today. Where'd you put it? In On the bookshelf reading a book so that I could read him to the book to the kids. And I gave you a heads up like, hey, we should read a book. Oh. And if you had put it over the so TV. So now we're a day behind. If you would have put it on the TV, I would have found it. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm good. I'm good. good. Closing out the year for work. So very excited about taking some, some time off. Yeah, I have been swamped. But I'm. I, you should be proud of me that I'm not going to take any work next week so are you trying to move away like mel robbins said from work addiction i don't feel like i have a work addict no i'm not no i no i'm not i think you have a touch of it what if i like the and what and she would say she would say that work addiction like i feel like it's i can't remember what she said in her book but like 70 percent of people have work addiction and usually it's because they're they feel like they're connecting better with work than they are at home. Is that what's happening? Well, I don't know, but I don't believe Mel Robbins. How does she? How does she get that number seventy percent? She does a lot of data, this and by people, the way, no, no, she's just asking people. Hold on, she's just asking people. Do you think you're a workaholic? And some, and seventy percent of whoever she surveyed said yes. But I would want. I would like. I'd like to run the the, the numbers on how many hours those people are are actually working. How how is she, I mean. Well, I do feel like there is a weird sense of pride of always, like one of the things she said in this book, um, sorry to go on a tangent, but this book is is really good. It's called Work It Out by Mel Robbins. And she, one of the things she said in the book was that um, like it's a badge of honor to be constantly busy all the time and like on your phone and always taking emails. and, And I would agree with that. Like you yeah. feel a sense of importance if you are looking at your emails. But I, like again, right now, my because I've been on Zoom all day, my eyeballs feel like they're going to fall out. Well, I'm just trying to figure out, are you, because I like Mel Robbins and I actually thought that book was a good book. I'm just trying to figure out if you're, is, I feel like every once in a while we do this podcast and it's a little bit of an intervention for me. Is that what's going on here? A hundred percent. I, like I said, I don't know how to respond. I don't think I have, I'm, I don't think I'm a, I don't think I have. A, I don't think I have a work addiction, but I like. I like. I like work. Right. But remember when she talks about having office hours at home? Are you going to start doing that? I do that. No. Now I work. <laughs> I I feel no. like I do a pretty good job. I work till five. I work till uh, five. Mm. I work till five thirty, <laughs> and then I'm available for everybody until everybody goes to bed, and then I work till. Midnight or one. But I don't go to bed. What? I'm not in bed. I only go to bed because you go back down to work. If you're awake, I will stay up and watch a movie or do whatever with you. Right? Lie. That's not a lie. Lie. <laughs> Most of the time. Most of the time, I'm available. Lie. <laughs> Just say. This is... <laughs> It's a little bit of a lot. It's a half lie. I'm, I'm most. I'm some. I work every vacation he works the entire vacation. 
Okay, so this is why I'm trying to say, like, I'm, I'm turning over a leaf. I, did, I just feel like Mel Robbins, if you're going to ever listen to us, Dr. David Coloros, he needs an intervention. Okay. <laughs> I like that book, by the way. I do, too. I'm just trying to think of, I've, I've, I'm trying to have, like, a more nuanced response to her, other than just be like, yeah, okay, I got that problem. And so I'm, like, I want to criticize her data, but I don't know really how she got her data. And, and maybe a lot of people are workaholics, and maybe I have a, I may have a hair of it. But I don't feel like I uh, work because I don't like my home life. I just think I, I, I feel like I, I like what I do. Yeah. Like I, I feel like I just do it because it's a fun thing. Just going to bed isn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But maybe hanging out with me is fun. <laughs> that is fun. It is fun. It is fun. So she, in her, in her book, um, she, like her second example, she, she's talking to clients and her second example, I feel like is very good for women. So like women who are trying to get ahead in work, I think this is a great book because she had some really good advice about, um, like how you show up in meetings if you want to get ahead. And I, I just thought it was phenomenal. So, um, check it out. It's called work it out by Mel Robbins. Wait, what did she say? How do you show up in meetings? Well, I don't want to give it away, but just just basically like the people people whose mouths are closed and looking down on a Zoom call, they're not going to be getting ahead. This woman was complaining that she felt like everyone was taking advantage of her and she was a director level. And so I felt like she had some good tips. Yeah, I thought the book was good. If it's the one that I think it's the book we were listening to when we were in the mountains. Yeah, work it out. Yeah, uh, I thought it was what's impressive about it is that the book in, is essentially a bunch of examples of her actually doing coaching. And I am, I mean, it's something I've talked about doing a podcast where I was, would do coaching and find some way to be able to put that on YouTube or put that in a book or whatever. And that's an intimidating thing to sort of show what it's, it's one thing to say, here's what I look like as a coach, or here's what I look like as a therapist. It's another thing to say, Hey world, watch me do this activity. And the fact that she has a whole book where she goes yeah. through that like that, I think is pretty impressive. I think you should do that. Yeah, I, don't know. I think I people don't know. would appreciate it if anyone wants to volunteer for David <laughs> coaching. <laughs> um, okay. So did you do any Christmas shopping yet? I've done zero Christmas shopping. Except for you, I got a I got a whole I got a I got a whole thing for you. Lies. I got a, so many Lies. There's so many things. It's really I've been planning for your gift for months now. Well, just so you know, I read a book about telling people what you need. And I need to feel special and you need to have some thought. You okay? That's, I'm just telling you what I need so I'm not disappointed. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. I need a new camera lens. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So one, one thing I'm interested about is... Um, Let's get into our question. So one okay, thing I'm ahead. interested about is um, we heard about a month ago that Tony Shea, the founder of Zappos, passed away in a house fire. And it was kind of surprising. Like, it just seems like a weird thing to just pass away in a house fire. Now I know it happens, but it just seems odd. And he um, he's famous because he built his whole company a around having a good culture and a culture of service and a culture it, it, that like books about it. 
Um, and so last, I think yesterday or the day before it came out that actually he had barricaded himself um, so that he would pass away in a house fire. And I'm just curious. It, the whole thing is shocking to me and, and extremely sad. And I have my own thoughts about it, but I'm curious what you think about it. Yeah. I, well, I wanted, I mean, you know, I wanted to do a video about it. I like, recorded three takes of three videos about Tony Shea trying to figure out how to, what, like, what I wanted to say about it. So, so first of all, you know, I feel like it's everybody saying, oh, I knew Tony Shea or I, whatever. He impacted me in this way. And, and, you know, I didn't know him, but I did meet, we did meet him with Todd. Oh yeah. Um, and he was like a, a, I interacted with him at a pivotal point in my career. At the time I was a traditional therapist. I think I was like one year before graduating or maybe two years before graduating my, um, in my doc program and I wanted to go into the corporate world and I was studying spirituality and meaning making. And I found that work really powerful. Um, and then I read his, or sorry, I was studying spirituality and meaning making um, as it relates to like therapy treatment. Um, and I was being pushed by my advisor to, to look into the corporate world and do something like corporate culture uh, because it was so much more marketable if I wanted to become a consultant. Um, and then I met, Tony and I read his book Delivering Happiness and I just found the book so powerful that it kind of opened up my eyes to uh you, you know that corporate culture there's that there's meaning in the corporate world. So anyway, I just I just I really 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 admire him. And then to find out that he passed away it's just like a, a shocker. He was such a talented man. Um so anyway, I was trying to do a video on it and and the, I guess my big my only point that I have is that it's just so sad that he had such struggles with mental health, with depression, anxiety, drug and alcohol addiction, um, and that nobody knew about it and that no one wants to talk about it and that he died a month ago and the media didn't talk about it. It feels to me like the media is uncomfortable saying, and maybe to protect his privacy, they're uncomfortable saying there's drug and alcohol abuse or there's depression or there's anxiety or whatever. Now, if he had died of cancer, like uh, Chadwick Boseman, there'd be no problem saying, hey, this was colon cancer. And if, by the way, if you're 35 or 45 or whatever the age is, then you, you need to go get yourself tested. And we should be watching out for cancer. And, hey, donate to cancer research and all that kind of – it's like totally out there for us to talk about. But when it's, when it's mental health, no one wants to talk about it. And I just keep thinking back of how many people uh, – you know, celebrities have died because of drug and alcohol abuse, for example, or suicide, for example. And instead of the media coming out and saying, this was suicide, mental health is, is significant and important and we should deal with it, they say, we, don't, we can't quite figure out what happened. And then you don't find out till six months later that it was suicide and all the energy around it is gone. I just feel like it's a missed opportunity for people to, to focus on that, you know? That was a long rant. What do you think? What do you think? I um, I think it was a missed opportunity, and I feel like it's it's sad that um, there's still a stigma, even with all the media coverage of like the idea of mental health. There's like yeah. ideas of mental health, yeah, but there's still like the stigma of actually reporting on what's actually happening. Yeah, there's a lot of people saying mental health is important, but very few people people saying. I experienced suicidal ideation, 
right? Like the like the 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 gross, the the um, damaging, the sad parts of it. We don't really talk about. We still sort of say, "Oh yeah, I have anxiety or I have panic attacks," but it's not. They don't. They don't really talk about what that's like to have a panic attack, or or the emptiness they feel when when they're feeling depressed. Right? They don't get it. You don't get a raw look at the mental health stuff. Yeah. Well, and like most people, most people lie probably like about that. Cause I read it, I think I read an article by psychologists and we might've talked about it earlier about like the, like the true questions that everyone has that everyone lies about, mm-hmm. um, which is like one thing, have you thought about dying or have you thought about suicide? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently everyone has. Yeah. Super common. Like yeah. doing clinical interviews. I mean, I would say most people at some level have have thought about that. Yeah. Right. And we act like it's never, never comes up. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I think it's a really sad thing. Yeah. It's such and a, I it's hope, a bummer. Um, it's sad that he didn't get the help he needed. And I think just like a talent loss to the world. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. So um, I am ready to do myths. Okay. Can we test your knowledge? Yes. Yeah, but I want, I would like, you know what we're going to do? You know how like when they do like the, the political debates, how after the debate there's a fact checker about like how often Trump or Biden made something up? I feel like I need to fact check you because last time you kept saying I was wrong and I believe that the data would be in my favor. What is that? What is that? What is that? Just you. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Learning styles. Do people have learning styles? <laughs> True. True. False. Do you want to know more about that? Well, hold on. Can you define learning style? Okay. According to a study in 2016 Biz, uh, British Journal of Psychology by Roger Van Horn of the University of Michigan or Center Center of Michigan Psychology or something. Um, have you heard the term pedagogic? Pedagogic? Okay, so most effective pedagogic technique varies according to type. I, I've heard it, but I'm not sure exactly. I think pedagogic means something about teaching. Like you're a, I think a pedagogue is like a professor. Yep, pedagogue. I, I think right? you're right. That makes sense in this. Most effective pedagogic, pedagogic technique varies according to type of material. Not the student. Okay, hold on. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. The question wasn't, do schools leverage different learning styles? No. The question was, do people, do does, does somebody learn better by listening versus somebody learning better by writing? But, but when they did the study, they were saying that the people experienced or like said that they learned better. Um. Like, if it was a certain learning style, but in the study, it was not found to be correct. And it ended up being, like, they're trying to do a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it really hap- it really was about the technique and not the person. What does that mean? Okay. Uh, this or is the, I, I mean, this sorry, is I mean. the we type to... of material, not the person. So, depending, like, people learned better yeah, in certain type. types of material, but not, not the person. It didn't vary. Okay. You didn't like that one. So you're saying 
unanimously people responded better to one type of yes material than another yep okay that's not how i would okay all right okay here's another myth well now i told you it was a myth but i i don't know do you think (laughs) (laughs) i'm so stuck on this the the learning styles one they should have looked at per individual does does joe blow learn better if i teach him x way versus y way not teach 95 people Y way and then X way and say, well, they all like Y better. That might have been better material, but aren't we comparing how Joe does X versus Y? You're getting too granular. I don't know. That's, I'm just telling you that that was a, considered right. a mess. Okay. Disagree. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I'm going to skip the one that I gave away. Well, what, just what is it? I'm not going I'm to skip the next one. Okay. Do you think that we have a finite amount of willpower? True. False. Oh, come on. Yep. That's not true. There what? was, in, in 2006, there were studies saying that there were, but then, and that was produced by the British Psychological Society, um, that people had limited willpower, so if they resisted, um, if they resisted a piece of chocolate cake, during the day, yeah, they would be more likely to like, ha- like not be able to resist a secondary temptation later on. Right. Yep. That is a false thing. So um, they ended up doing the 23 labs with over 2,000 participants. Um, tried to drain self-control and um, it had close to zero effect on the subsequent self-control task. How do they try to drain self-control? <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't explicitly say, but they were saying... Oh, my God. Allison, <laughs> is this psychology today? No. What source is that? Mindset. The book Mindset? Carol no. Dwight? It's a, it's a similar to psychology today. It's an, it's another one. Okay. Okay, I just need to know how they're trying to drain how you, how are they how are they draining it? But there's a there's a lot of research showing that if that you do have like you have decision fatigue. Like but, but in the beginning of the day you are very you have strong willpower, you're able to push things away, but if you force yourself to make difficult decisions all day, you will get lax at the end of the but day. But when was the cuz when did you graduate from your PhD? <laughs> She always does this where she says that I'm out of date on the yeah, research. Because this these studies came out in 2016. Okay. They seem poorly done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else you got? Is that it? Okay. No. Do you think women are more depressed than men? I think that women are not more depressed than men, but I think women report being depressed more than men. But I think severity of depression. Actually, men are more severely depressed than women. Okay. So women are more depressed than men. They're two times, but I don't know how they measured it, but they're two times as likely to be more depressed than men. And the Mayo Clinic has some thoughts. They think it's um, that this starts around puberty. So, And they think it's a transitional thing. Like stressors at school, conflict with parents, gender confusion, PMS, uh, pregnancy issues, 
or just like dealing with societal bias against women. There is another theory that I find really interesting that it is adaptive for women to be depressed. What's that? Um, an adaptive, it's the adaptive value of women having depression is that they have low energy, lack of interest and suicidal ideations. And, um, and this helps them have people increase investment on them. So like what this, the theory is that like, if they are struggling with hard things that they can't do by themselves, having this depression helps them recruit others to help them. What do you think of that theory? I mean, I kind of disagree with that theory. That's a bad way to get support. I agree. That's a really bad strategy. There's a lot of better ways to get making yourself. Uh, no, no. I would. I wonder how they're. I mean, I feel like I, every time you give me a study, I'm always like, "Well, how do they actually do that?" But that doesn't seem. Uh, I mean, you know, more men kill themselves than women. They're like they just they know how to do it better. They used well, yeah their, their means are more lethal than than women and, but but the I think there's a very strong argument to say that men experience just as much if not more depression than women but it's more socially acceptable for women to go talk about it so if if the male clinic is just looking at how many women come into our into our offices that's a bad way to sample that yeah but uh, so but maybe let's just say women do have more depression than men. Maybe that was another study that happened after I graduated. <laughs> but it uh, seems like the world's worst strategy to uh, recruit support. Um, being get really depressed and then hope people take care of you. Yeah. That seems maladaptive. It does seem maladaptive. What would be the adaptive, uh, another reason for it being adaptive? I've been trying to figure that and out. Another reason why depression's adaptive? Yeah. Like, what, what's the value of depression? I don't know. I never thought about that. Do animals get depressed? I don't know. That, I also don't know. Sometimes I felt like Tyson was depressed, but I didn't know if it's because he had saggy jowls. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Could have been. I don't know. Okay. Do you think wearing red attracts a mate? Uh, I know the answer's got to be yes. False. Oh. <laughs> I don't know the, I don't really know the answer. I thought that you, that was. So there were several studies done in 2006 that um, they only had 24 participants, but the men rated the women in the study um, that were wearing red as being sexier and more attractive than women wearing other colors. However, in 2016, in evolutionary psychology, they did three experiments consisting of 800 people, and there was no such effect. Hmm. Interesting. I don't. I've never heard a thing about it. I can just say that red is a red is a like an inherently. I don't know what the right word is. Provocative, maybe. It's red stands out, and so I would think, like, just like a bird, a peacock, has bright colors so that they stand out. I wonder if, maybe if you look at a woman that's, or if you look at someone you're attracted to and they're wearing red versus black, doesn't matter. But if I said, go look at that crowd of people, and I put a confederate in a red dress one time versus putting her in a black dress, 
the second time, I bet you that they she would get picked out more in the red dress. Hmm. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> Is that it? 